Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we're going to be looking at that. So if you've got your, your version app open, if you've got the little good little good looking little bulletin we gave you on the way in, then we are going to just look at this concept. And also, just a reminder, I want to take a moment. I want to say hi to everybody in Big Lake. We have a campus in Big Lake, Texas, down the highway. And so I want to say hi to them. They're going to be joining us on this series as well. And so uh, but let's go ahead and start in our, our notes that, that letting Jesus be Lord in our lives is the most liberating thing we can do. And we're going to say that over and over and over again because it's true. It is true. Giving him lordship in our lives. That's why we're about knowing God better and trusting him more. The more we recognize that he loves us and he's for us, the more we can release our grip of control and let him be Lord. Because when we come to him, we don't come to him in a vacuum. We don't come to God in this little isolated, untouched realm. We come to him, maybe you were raised up in church and, and you had a, a church experience, and that isn't all always good. Sometimes being in church can, be, can make trust in Jesus scarier. Depends on how the, 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 the different groups of people present God and present his nature, present, present him as an, as an angry and, and, and vengeful kind of God. And, and when we see that Jesus demonstrates the heart of God. And that, that God came to, to, to seek and save that which was lost. And to pursue us that we recognize we can, we can trust him. But also when we look at this place that we don't come to God in a vacuum. We have life experience and hurts and cultures. That those things have affected our lives. And so when we come to him, he takes us right where we are, loves us, but he loves us so much he doesn't leave us there. So this growing in lordship is letting him begin to shift what our life and culture has begun to do to us. My pastor was here a couple of weeks ago, Pastor John Holler, and, and Pastor John uh, was raised on a farm. And I, always gr- I grew up in ministry hearing him tell these awesome farm stories. And so he would tell all these cool stuff. And, and I, I didn't grow up on a farm, so I don't have any. So I have to borrow stories from him. And he, they had, of course, all the normal farm stuff. You know, if old MacDonald had it, so did Pastor John. And so they had all of those stuff. They had the cluck clucks, the moo-moos, the, the wolf-woofs, all of it. And so here and there at their, on their farm... Well, they were raising these, raising these uh, chickens, and beneath the chicken coop, the chickens like to, I guess, for whatever reason, they like to kind of climb up into something. And so beneath the chicken coop, they had the dogs, uh, the dog house. So the chickens were in this one place, but the dog could get in and out of his house from the back side of it. And this dog had puppies, and the puppies were nursed and cared for under this chicken coop. Well, these puppies would hear all of the chickens and the roosters crowing and doing all the chicken stuff. So they were doing the cluck cluck and the crow crow and all that stuff. 
Well, sure enough, as this, as this little hound starts to grow up, one particular little puppy starts to grow up, he begins to bark, and, but he didn't bark right. He tried to crow when he barked, and he'd go, or something to that effect. I wasn't there. That's an impersonation of an impersonation. And so, but it just, it, it, it messed up this because this, this little pup was being raised with all these other noises and influences uh, that affected who this, the identity and the response and the action of this little pup. And so they noticed it and it was kind of funny at first. And then they realized, man, this, this is going to end up with a messed up dog. So they finally decided to move the doghouse and get it away from the chickens and get it away from all those other noises. You know what? They didn't have to teach that dog. John Holler did not have to get down on his hands and knees and go woof, woof, woof at that dog. All of a sudden, it begins to get disconnected from all of that other stuff. And the wolf that was in its DNA, that was in who it was, begins to come out. And all of a sudden, it finally begins to howl like a hound should howl and do all of those different things. Well, folks, when we come to Christ, we have to recognize that, yes, He loves us. And we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. And we don't have to get our our howl just right and everything just right and get all of our the influence of the world out so that we can have a relationship with God but we do need to understand that a life-giving relationship with God will affect our lives see we were built to be in relationship with him you were designed to be in relationship with God you were designed to have him be the number one influence in your life and when we begin to shift not that all of a sudden we're isolated from the rest of the world. Those chickens were still on the farm. But the number one influence. Now when we let that be God. It's amazing how many different things that are in our spiritual DNA. Begin to come up and begin to be right. Let's go ahead and look at 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord, the one in control, the one who we should let have rule and reign in our lives, and where the Spirit of the Lord is. And so many times we can think of that this, where the Spirit of Jesus is, and we can think that, that the writers just kind of grab a word, they kind of get tired of one word, and say, man, I've used Jesus the last three times, let me get a new word, and so, and just keep, it, keep my writings interesting, and I'll, I'll use Lord here. No, Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is, he, this, we have to understand that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so many times, if we just think of that from a worldly perspective, that makes no sense. Where the Spirit, where we let someone else have control, then we would think that would mean control. That now there's control in our lives. Now there's a lockdown. Now we, we're, we're, under, we're being dominated. But it's not that way. It's not that way with God where the Spirit of the Lord is, where we've embraced His Lordship. There's freedom. And there's freedom. He begins to shift our lives and it doesn't just stop there. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate 
the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. I love that imagery. That as we contemplate God's glory, his goodness, the word glory actually means weight. That we contemplate his weightiness, his power, his strength, who he is, his love, his attributes, how good he is. As we contemplate who God is and what he's done, we are transformed. Most of the time we would think, you know, if you want your life to change, you need to kind of focus in on you. Do a little bit of navel gazing. Begin to look inward and look at self. Begin to check out what's going on right here. You never heard that word, navel gazing? My kids are cracking up at that. All right, then. Begin to look, in, begin to look inward. Now I'm going to start laughing. Begin to look inward. But instead, so that we think, oh, man, it's, I, need to, I need to look at myself and see what's broken and see what's wrong, and then I need to work on that and make that my gift to God. No. You focus on his glory. You contemplate his glory. You contemplate his goodness, and that will begin to be the number one influence of your life, and you will be transformed. We look at the goodness of God and who he is and the weight of who he is, and it transforms our lives. We're transformed into into his image with ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. I love it. It's not these little ups and downs roller coasters. Ooh, today was a better day. Let's not talk about the next day. Oh, yeah, okay, well, we can talk about today. No. What this is is this place that, yeah, where there's, there's some places of brokenness in all of our lives. There's some places of ugliness in all of our lives. But as each one of those little things begins to fall off, Each one of those little scales of the old us that still seems to be hanging on, even though we're a new creation, each one of those comes off and begins to reveal the real us. And it's a new level of glory. It's a new level of glory. It's like like peeling back the layers and each piece gets revealed and it's a new level of glory. And we see more and more and more. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. I love the way the New King James Version puts it. It says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror. That word that, that the NIV translated contemplate means to look as in a mirror. Look at his reflection. And the whole concept Paul is wanting us to bring about here is that we need to be looking into the face of God, expecting that to be our reflection. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's what advertisers try to get us to do all the time. They make the the little slick ads in in the magazines or on the on TV or whatnot, and they, they want you to project yourself into there. You use their skin cream, and you'll look as good as they do. You eat that bar, and you'll finally have the six-pack abs. You drive this car, and you'll have that girl or guy. They want to project that. That thing that advertisers get a hold of and manipulate, we were 
built with that on the inside of us to look at God and let that define who we are. We were built with that, and advertisers manipulated and use it, but we were designed. And we, anytime we hold up another image, that's why God told us from the very beginning, don't have any other graven image. Don't stick something else in front of your eyes because you're going to start projecting that on yourself. Keep me in front of your eyes, and then you'll begin to be more and more like me. Romans 1 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, <clears throat> for in the, gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And if you've been through our newcomers class, you know I love this verse, and you know I love it in the message translation. So we're going to look at it there. It says, it's news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with Jews and then right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming what Scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God by trusting Him really lives. By trusting Him, that's where we really live. When we let Him be Lord, that's where the liberty comes from. When we let Him be Lord, that's where life comes from. And that's why it's so important for us to recognize that His ways are higher than our ways they're better and we let him rule and reign in our lives see letting jesus be lord means letting him lead guide and direct you jesus says in matthew 11 says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you now yoke is is a a farming term back in the day and there was this this big wooden implement that designed for this animal to put it around its neck so that it could begin to pull the load and be useful for the farmer and he says take mine there is a yoke there is a place he says you got to take it on but you got to let you got to submit to me you got to put my system on you got to let me be the one in control take my yoke upon you and learn from me why do we need to learn from him because we don't know everything not every decision we make is the smartest one I think we could all go around the room if we had the time and tell the stories of the dumb stuff we've all done we could write books people lots of them learn from me that's what lordship is saying God, you're smarter than me. You're for me. You love me. Teach me your ways. Teach me a better way to live. That's what lordship is. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not going to sit there and my yoke isn't going to be this difficult thing to bear. And you're finally going to finally going to get a ride on as you submit to my heavy yoke and my hard heavy burden no he says it's light doing life my way is way better than doing it your own way way better again 
I like the message translation on this one. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Your life has been stolen. It's been robbed from you. And now I'm going to help you get it back. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh my gosh, just that, the beauty of that. Why would we not want to enter into that dance and let him lead? Why would we not want to? Why would we resist when he wants to carry us forward and into the unforced rhythms of grace? Why would we not want to just turn the reins over to him and let him lead? That's what he wants for our lives. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keeping company, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, folks, Jesus is a good Lord. He's a good Lord. Our culture has tried to paint lordship as something we should avoid at all costs. And there's only one good Lord, and that's Jesus. He isn't here to dominate. He's here to liberate. He's here to liberate. And we have to, we have to remember something. We have to have something down deep in us. And praise God, there's, there's been this thing that's a, it's a little cliche. It's been a little overused maybe. But it has helped us get it in our time. So, so we're going to have a little church test. We're going to see how many of you know how to respond to this, all right? Because there's a mindset we have to have in our, in our minds, all right? So I'm going to start it. You'll know what to do if you know what to do. God is good. And all the time. It's been used over and over again to the point that I didn't have to coach you or tell you. I said it. You knew how to respond. We've never done that at Celebration Church, but it's done all around the world. But that piece of information needs to be that ready on the ends of our tongues. That God is good all the time. And all the time he's good. It needs to be that ready on the tips of our tongues because it's only when we are convinced in our hearts of that that we'll let him be Lord. If we think he's spiteful, if we think he's controlling, if he thinks he wants to, to mess up our lives or his ways are going to bring destruction and wreak havoc, then we're not going to do it. But if we recognize that he's good all the time, then we can let him do it. And Jesus wanted to redefine what lordship looked like. We're about to look at, at a couple of places where Jesus teaches his disciples about what real lordship looks like and what authority looks like. And Jesus models this and then asks his followers to live this out the same way. So first, let's look at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. The, the normal rulers, man, they take advantage of this and they exploit it. He says, And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why can we trust God? Why can we trust him as Lord? Because he didn't come to be served. He didn't come so that you could come down and and bow before him as Lord. He doesn't need his ego boosted. He doesn't need that. He came to serve us. And that's why we can give the reins up. That's why we can do it. Dads, here's a little side note. Here's a little side note for fatherhood. As the, as the dads in the homes, we were given a place of authority. We're given a place of responsibility when we look at the scriptures. But when we begin to couple this with a place of servanthood, that's where things really begin to work well. And so whoever's going to be the leader of that home needs to be the chief servant of that home. And guys, I understand, I, we own a business outside of church. I have responsibilities and duties. There are things that put in full days a lot of time. Y'all think I just sit behind a desk and read the Bible all day, but um, that is not what happens. And so there are times you go, go home and, and, and just want to chill, just want to veg. But guys, you go home and you grab the remote And the kids see mom serving them or somebody else serving them and doing all of the stuff. And all of a sudden there's this natural thing that whoever's want, kingdom principles are if you want to be the greatest, then be a servant. So then all of a sudden the number one servant in the house is mom, but dad's like flexing his, I'm the boss muscles. There are going to be some problems. But if the if the person with the authority is also the number one servant, there's no problems. It flows. It works right. I understand you're tired sometimes when you get home, Dad, but it's, it's just paying the bills isn't what it's about. It's about leading it home. It's about doing the dishes and helping at bath time and doing all those different things. It's about helping with the homework and leading through all of the different pieces. And as we're a servant to our families, we get the right then to lead them in the way that they should go. Jesus does it that way. That's why we can let him be Lord because he's here to serve. Who doesn't want to give the reins up to someone who's here to serve? Let's go ahead and look at John chapter 13. It says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and then go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So there's... Judas, the betrayer, in the middle of all this. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. Creator of all heaven and earth put everything under Jesus' power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and said, I'm the boss. Listen up. And began to decree orders and bring order and structure to his organization 
Hmm. No, wait a second. Jesus is not doing this power thing right. Jesus got up from the meal, and he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, do you not realize now what I am doing? But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall not never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless you let me serve you, you can't serve me. Unless you let me pour myself out and serve you, you can't have any part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Oh, Peter, one way that's all in or all out with Peter. <laughs> Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. See, when we place our faith in Christ, he said, you're going to understand what I'm doing later. Right now, it doesn't make sense. But when we've placed our faith in Christ, when we've placed our faith in Christ, we're clean. We're heaven ready at that moment. But you know what they're wash, he's washing off? He's washing off the dust of their travels, of the, daily, of the life of the, the day and, in and out. They wore sandals. They didn't wear what we wear. And their feet got dirty of just life. And you know what? Part of letting him be Lord is letting him cleanse the junk of just doing life. Just getting from here to there every day is going to put a little junk on us. That doesn't mean we're unclean. It doesn't mean we're rejected. It doesn't mean we're not heaven ready anymore. It just means we need to let him be Lord and, and, and remove some of that stuff. We weren't designed for it. It wasn't supposed to be there. Just, just let, him, let him do it. And he said, and you're all clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was, he said, not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. He washed Judas' feet too. We can. He's here to watch. Even when our intentions aren't the best, even when we're not connected the way we should be, he's still here to serve. He knew what Judas was going to do. He didn't go along and skip Judas. You sorry dog, I ain't washing you. I know what you're up to. I know what's in your heart. No. He's here to serve. Period. We can trust him. He knew Judas and Judas could still trust Jesus to serve him. Judas is the one who was wrong, not Jesus. He goes on to say, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, 
nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. He's here to serve us. His lordship is here to make our lives better. I stood up here in these rain boots this whole time. And you know what? Rain boots seem like the right thing to wear if you're going to play in the rain. But let's be honest. What are rain boots for? Rain boots are for us to go out there and have our fun and yet remain unaffected personally. They're to insulate us. They're to keep it to where we can go out there, but I still want, I still want a little control. I still want, I don't quite trust this rain. And so I want to protect myself. The word tells us that his word's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The feet talk about the direction of life over and over and over again, our choices. You look all through Proverbs and it says their feet are quick to this or their feet are quick to that or their path leads to this and they're representative of that. So what I want to encourage us to do is when we begin to think about letting him be Lord and reign in our lives, let's take off the rain boots. Let's say, God... I don't need these. I don't need the protection from you. You love me. And God, I'm going to set myself bare and vulnerable before you. And I'm going to trust that you're for me and that your lordship is good. And I'm going to embrace And I'm not going to try to put on all the little stuff to keep a little distance between me and you anymore. I'm going to play in the rain. I'm going to do it like a little kid who says, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to enjoy you. And I know, God, that you're for me, that you love me. And I'm going to let you make the changes that you want to make. Not because I'm so bad and so messed up, but because you love me so much and you want my life to be that much better. God, I believe Your reign is a safe place to play. I want us to bow our heads. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.